everybody, this is Chad with I Want to Know. I'm here with my new friend, Crystal Boys. Uh, she started uh, a not-for-profit called Airdrie Power. It's uh, protecting our women with emergency response. She's a, a domestic abuse survivor and is looking to help out uh, as many women and families as she can. So uh, how's it going? Hi, I'm good. Thank good, you for good. having me here today. We were just talking about how nervous we were. I still get nervous before <laughs> podcasts, and uh, you were saying you were nervous as you were coming up as well. So it's okay. It's all part of the gig. All right. So why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, Energy Power? Oh, well, I'd love to do that. Um, like you said, we are a nonprofit organization. Um, we started four years ago, actually, in April. Um, and it's an organization that, that is focused solely on domestic violence. Um, uh, I witnessed actually, uh, a domestic violence incident outside of Safeway one morning here in Airdrie. And, uh, after everything was done, the police were called and, and the lady was helped. I realized she had nowhere to go in town if she did require services after that point. What did that look like? What it, what was the... Well, so um, I pull up to Safeway, 1030 Sunday morning. You know, you're not expecting much. Just go to do a quick grocery run. And I get out of my van and I hear um, this lady screaming, somebody help me. Mm. And over and over again. And, and of course, that got my attention immediately. And I look around and, and I'm trying to find out where the source is coming from. And sure enough, it's uh, a young lady in a car and her boyfriend's punching her and she's Ugh. screaming for somebody to help. But before I realized he was punching her, it, they were a very young couple, early 20s. It took me a minute to kind of recognize that. Are they horsing around? Is she kidding? Is this for real? Yeah. And then once I saw the, the fists go, I knew that it was serious and she, she needed some help. Abuse. I remember uh, taking a, a self-defense course or listening in on a self-defense course, and they were talking that yelling for help is probably one of the worst things you can do that most wow. people will turn their backs. The response was quite disappointing. Um, it really is it, most of the time. It was. Um, so... Um, I called 911, you know, I, I kept a safe distance away from the car. I didn't intervene. I didn't interact with them directly. Um, yeah. and, and I waited for the police to go. I made eye contact with her. She knew I was calling 911, but in the process, um, I watched four people, three of them be men walk right by her, look in the car, see that she needed help and just kept going. Yeah. Um, that was devastating for me. I think that... Most men nowadays don't have the courage to stand up against. Uh, it's a different generation, right? That it is. But, you know, I also understand, you know, if it's a safety factor. Right. You know, if somebody is crazy enough to do this, broad daylight, in the middle of public place. They're a dangerous person. They're a dangerous person. and. Right. And I would never suggest that a man get involved, right. you know, like don't ever approach or try to break up the fight. But what you can do is call 911 and, and ensure that help is on the way for exactly. her. Keeping an eye on things will sometimes change right. a, um, an abuser's mindset where like, oh, I've got an audience now, I better stop. Mm -hmm. And at the well, very minimum, you can reduce some of the damage being done to the, the other person. And for me, it's more solidifying to the woman that she does matter and that people do care 100%. and that this isn't okay. Yeah. Um, what happened with me that day, uh, it really brought me back to a time when I experienced domestic violence. And 
um, I did escape one day and I ran to a corner store and yeah. I went into the corner store. There was a man behind the counter and three men in line and, and I, I was expressing to them, you have to call 911. Yeah. I had just escaped and uh, he was on my heels quite quickly. Yeah. Um, and instead of calling 911, the gentleman asked me why. Hmm. Why should I be calling 911? And I just said, you know, please call 911 right now. And and before I could ask him again, my abuser came in the door and he came right up to me, very brazen, and said, let's go. Yeah. And, and he took my purse from me and said, we're going right now. And I looked around and there's three men in line. There's a man behind the counter, which hopefully is calling 911 anytime now. Yeah. And uh, I said, no. Yeah. Uh, you know, I felt safe and I felt, you know, that I could stand my ground and, and wait till the police came. And um, he grabbed me by my hair and dragged me out of there. Wow. And that night I actually got one of the worst beatings I had received yeah. to date. And um, But that wasn't the worst part of the evening. The worst part was when nobody helped me. Right. That did more damage to my soul and to, to um, just to me in general. Because what it did was it solidified what he had been telling me, that I was worthless and that nobody cared and nobody would help. Mm. And, you know, not to to even bother to try to run away. And right. so, you know, from that point on, there there was not a lot of effort to try to leave because who's going to help me? And he's just going to catch up with me and then it's going to be worse in the long run for me. So it was... When I saw that in Safeway, it really triggered something in me. And then yeah. I went home and I had a good cry about it. And what am I going to do? You know? What are you going to do, right? I can't. You can. I, I want to bring you back a little bit because I still want to talk about energy power. But mm-hmm. back to when uh, you were in the bad situation. Now, if if I remember reading right, that was like 12 or 13 years ago. It was 20 years 20 ago. 20 years well, ago. Well, I met him 22 years ago okay. um, and left two years after. So so in retrospect, looking back on that person, I don't want to name names or anything. Mm-hmm. What do you think drove him to that? Like, why, why do you think men abuse or you know even if it's verbally that's that's quite destructive as well and we just mm-hmm. see a lot of that i think they said like three out of five uh families in energy or something is it's a high yes. number it's of a very some, very high number some form of abuse mm-hmm. um well for this particular individual it was um he he's not from canada and so it was a lot of cultural based um how he was raised. Yeah. He firmly believed that women were property and that he could do with them how he pleased. And, wow. and you know, because even when I did tell him, you know, I can call the police and this isn't okay. And he just, no, it's Blew not it okay. Off. Yeah. No, yeah. you're my woman. I can do what I want. And you need to just stop giving me so much attitude and there won't be a problem kind yeah. of thing. And so um, it, it was always okay in, in his culture to do this. Yeah. And so, um, but for other men, there's a plethora of reasons why yeah. men abuse. And a lot of it is they're grown up in it. Yeah. They don't understand that, that it's not okay. And that's not how you deal with your emotions and your feelings. And, yeah. you know, and, um, it, it just all comes down to awareness and education. I think, you know, I look back over my young dating life, you know, being a teenager and a young adult that um, I most definitely, I think, was verbally abusive to some people. And it was a complete lack of confidence. Like you're so mm-hmm. afraid all the time that you're going to lose somebody that you need some form of control over them. Yeah. And, and being loud or being mean is mm-hmm. a way of having that control over people, right? Absolutely. And uh, it's not right. I'm not, I'm not defending it at all. But I look back at who I was 20 
20 years ago or 25, 25 years ago, I, I guess. <laughs> it's getting up there. We'll just say 20 plus, right? Yeah, <laughs> and, and I look back at that person I was, and I was uneducated. I didn't really want to educate myself. I didn't know how to be in a relationship well. Um, right. So all, all that stuff was just combined for lack of confidence, right? Dumbest Absolutely. guy in the room. and Insecurity is, is a, a massive player in, in the whole thing, too, and... That's a scary thing because we're all insecure. Yeah, right? to, a, to a degree, N- for nobody's sure. Nobody's perfect yeah. and, and uh, things can go south very, very easily. Yeah. Yeah, no, I was I was really lucky. I think um, that I was with some good people around me and they held me accountable, being yes. friends and, and family members and stuff like that. And as I got meeting better people, I got better myself. Right. And, you know, now I'm in a great relationship and, you know, there was no abuse in our household at all. Fantastic. That, uh, and my wife says she, you know, she hears it on Airdrie Moms and, and oh, all the... It's everywhere. All the abuse and the cheating and the um, just... The, the bickering and the arguing mm-hmm. that's in houses every Just single day. Just the unhappiness. Day. That's yeah. it. And it's, uh, I think it's a little bit on both sides. I've seen men being abused mm-hmm. by women. and They absolutely do. And I think the more we get comfortable with the LGBTQ community, um, the more we're going to see the abuse that, that men suffer from both other men and women. Yeah, um, and women on women. And women on women and stuff. And it's it's really eye-opening when, when you really start to peel back the layers and, and really look at it. Yeah. And, and I think you're right. It's education. It's teaching men that it's not okay and what's mm-hmm. the right way to treat it and educating themselves. I think uh, I talk about Lord Jordan Peterson so much, <laughs> but, um, you know, he talks about if you want something better in life, you have to do something better with your life, Absolutely. right? Like if you Be the change. Exactly. Yeah. If you're... if you're not finding women that you like, then be a different man. Like, yeah. you know, learn something well, new. Well, and, and people also have to to um, take into consideration that your happiness does not rely on other people. You know, <laughs> you have to be happy with yourself and enjoy yourself and like yourself yeah. in order to get that in return. And, yeah. w- and when you don't, just a recipe for disaster. I 100% agree. You have to find some kind of confidence, Some, you know... So many guys, uh, inspirational speakers, talk about challenging yourself all the Mm -hmm. time, and not enough people do that. They want something that's easy, something, you know, just show up for Mm -hmm. work, get home, have the house cleaned, have everything taken care of for you. That's just not the way life is. No, absolutely not. I, I think that if I had that life where everything was done for me, I'd probably be pretty stinking miserable anyways. Right? Like, yeah. are you really happy? You know, you yeah. know as a human being that your wife is is serving, is being subservient to you and all of these things. You know the power dominance and yeah. that can't be fun. I don't think so. I, I mean, I do like when my wife does this for right. me, of course. <laughs> um, you know, but if she was just... But it's Maybe a the word is, yeah, yeah, subservient, where she did everything and I just went to work and came home. Yeah. That that I would not be satisfied with at all. Um, well, that's good to hear. But I do like... Um, we all do. Yeah. You know? I had somebody uh, uh, earlier on in my podcast ask me why I liked marriage. So a uh, co-host that I had, Mark, was, uh, uh, went through a divorce that wasn't very nice and clean. And the lady we had on went through a divorce that wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. Um, they both suffered some kind of abuse and just were against marriage, like completely. Right. And they're like, what do you like about marriage so much? I'm like, I don't have to be on all the time. Right. But I have a good partner. My wife is very good. And when she sees I'm not having a good day or things are going sideways, she takes care of the kid stuff or makes dinner mm-hmm. or 
mm. or you know does something for me that helps cheer up my day and vice versa if i see she's having a miserable day i'm like oh why is your day so bad right and we it's, can just talk through that it's stuff. a partnership yeah you know and and i have an amazing supportive husband as well and i can't imagine you know looking back that i even tolerated not that i tolerated or that i i I just, I just can't imagine being in a, in a place that, in in thirteen years, the man has never raised his voice to me, yeah. not one time. We've never called each other names, <laughs> right. you know, like we haven't. It seems like such a small thing, but the way you communicate, the way you debate or argue or mm-hmm. try to get your point across is super important. It is, and and when you respect each other. You come at each other with a whole different perspective in a different way. You know, if I didn't respect him or if he didn't respect me, yeah, we would know it just by how we talk to each other. And, yeah. you know, it's important both ways, men and women, that, you know, there's that respect and that love and that... Um, Genuine care for the other person. That's right. That, yeah. you know... I want the best for you, so therefore I'm gonna I'm gonna treat you that way, yeah. you know, and I'm gonna talk to you that way. When I have a problem, I'm gonna approach you that way. You know, there there's biblical statements all over the place. You know, do unto others if you haven't mm. done unto you. Why would you hit somebody unless you want to be hit? Right. right. Why do you call people names unless you want to be called names? There, right. There, there's all these old scriptures that ring very very true in everyday life, and because they are uh, powerful, they're true. They're in our psyche. It's part of who we yeah. are. That we we need to look at some of those things and go, well, why am I doing that? And I've even done it where I've had a bad day and been miserable to my wife. And mm-hmm. I'm like, why did I do that? Like, why, why was I so bitter towards her? Or, right. You know, it happens. We're, we're not perfect. Right. Everybody has bad days and that's okay. Yeah. You know, you're not expected to be perfect and wonderful a hundred percent of the time. That's unrealistic. Right. And I find, you know, self-reflection is a horrible thing and, <laughs> and, and a hard thing to do. And that's what's re- really required in order to fix issues at hand. And, I, I agree wholeheartedly. And nobody wants to look at themselves and see their mistakes and their downfalls because that's, that's just icky. I, uh, I say it all the time. If, um, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. So if right. you're not looking in the mirror going, uh, I didn't like what I did yesterday. I didn't like my effort on this or right. know, whatever it is. Even if someone's treating you poorly, go, I don't like when they do that. I'm going to stop them. You That's know, I'm right. going to have a discussion you, with them and not really that. You really do treat people or teach people how to treat you. A hundred percent. You know, and if you let people treat you a certain way, they're going to continue to treat you that. It's just human nature. Yeah. But when you stand up for yourself and you know what... Um, you're willing to accept and not accept, people will toe the line. And that's how you surround yourself with like-minded people because those that don't follow suit will not be around. Yeah. I'm uh, listening to uh, David Goggins' book. I don't know if you know who he is. He's a... I won't get into the big story. Pretty awesome book. It's called You Can't Hurt Me. He grew up in a very abusive uh, um, family as a a young boy, taking many, many hard beatings, watching his mom get beat really, really bad. And they escaped and and got out. But it had long, long long-term effects on him. He's now a 40-something-year-old guy, been through the military, has accomplished uh, world records. Like He's an outstanding man now but he says those demons are still inside me yeah and it's it's hard to to overcome and i just think from um whatever side it is if you're in a place where you're getting abused it's not a short-term thing it's not Mm going to go away this is something that's going to weigh on your psyche you know for a very long time absolutely and that's one of um the biggest misunderstandings about domestic violence and when somebody says hey well you know 
why don't you just leave? Or, mm. you know, why didn't you leave the first time he hit you? Or, you know, like, just what are you doing? Yeah. It is so much more complicated than that. Um, the and trauma alone. The from, trauma. I, I fought MMA. Uh, I trained martial arts. And I watched full-grown men trying something new um, and they get hit once and you can just watch them shut down. Like their bodies literally start to quiver. They're like, I don't like this. It's something that I got used to. We're not for violence. I I think I disagree a little bit with that. I I think we are most definitely built for violence. But when we have the option not to have violence placed upon us, that's where you're going to be. So um, they talk about in the Bible, the meek will inherit the earth. Yes, yep. And what the meek means is someone who is good at wielding a sword, but chooses to keep it sheathed. So right. I believe inside of us, we all have a, a demon, a bad guy, the, the Cain to Abel, the, right. the Dr. Jekyll to Mr. Hyde <laughs> right. inside there. And, and the ability to control that person that's inside of us, that evilness, mm-hmm. um, is, is good. That's virtuous. That's a, a good person. I know I have evil inside me, but I don't unleash it on my family ever. Right. But I need that person um, in times of war, in times of defense, in times right. of... So I think we really are designed to fight, but it's not meant to be a daily thing. It's not meant to overpower another person um, unless it's in the the sake of safety and that kind right. of thing. So I think humans you, as a whole You do are, have a point there. Yeah. yeah, I'll agree with you on that one. <laughs> That's okay. We have people coming in and okay. out. My son's going to come around and do pictures later okay. on, and so he'll be <laughs> in the camera and everything. We uh, When we get a professional studio, whatever that means, uh, it'll this be a little bit different. This looks professional enough to it, me. It seems like it, yeah. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, my wife just got home from work, and my kids are coming through, so it's all part of the, the gig. My dog will bark eventually and be in every podcast, I think. But, um, yeah, I, I, I really do truly believe we were designed. Like, you overcame some violence mm-hmm. um, and if you weren't designed for it you wouldn't have overcome it so I think there's part of you mm-hmm. that is super super strong that um, was able to get out of that was able to endure what you went through um, and still come out the other side not not wrecked like you well, know I wouldn't say that <laughs> <laughs> I mean not not so much so that you're trying to take it out on other people right right and maybe right. there was a point for you that that happened but it's well I was angry at men for a long long time I would imagine you know um and and I am a feminist at heart but I'm not a man hating feminist I love men and families and togetherness and you know um all of that stuff is wonderful but for a long long time I did not believe that there was a single man out there that I could not aggravate to the point to mm. beat me, right? I, I've, you all have it in you. I was convinced of it. Yeah. And if, if I wanted to, I could push you to that. And yeah. it took, you know, even my father, you know, I thought that of my father and my brother, whom I grew up with, who never laid a hand on me. Yeah. You know, well, my brother, we, <laughs> we fought lots. <laughs> big big <but> brothers, <laughs> little brothers, yeah. yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, people that I would never have to question my safety around, I did. And yeah. I was very, very uncomfortable for a very long time. So there was, you know, a lot of um, emotional and mental and spiritual damage there that, that yeah. you know, the bruises and healed and the bones healed and, and all of these things healed and went away. But yeah. I was left with a lot of 
a lot of psychological damage too that you know it it took almost 20 years to to get over and and I'm still not over it you yeah. know I still suffer from um PTSD and you know that's something that's never going to go away and yeah. certain things that trigger me and make me afraid and yeah and that's okay when I taught uh, self-defense, we had a young, very pretty girl come in. She, I believe, was a waitress somewhere, and uh, she came to take. We had a free self-defense class here in Airdrie. Um, she came in, and we were doing some drills and stuff, and she was brand new, so I was spending a little bit more time with her just showing something, and I went not knowing. I, I'd right. never met somebody, and she never told me that she was abused before. Not that it was her fault. I just It was a right. bad mix. And I said, this is how you escape when someone's trying to choke you. And I, and I literally reached my arm around her, and boom, I could feel her trembling um, in my arm. Yeah. And so right away, I stopped, and I asked her if she was okay. And one of the other ladies there recognized it and came and grabbed her by the hand and walked her off the mat and was talking to her. And I probably wasn't the right person to talk to her, but I had a real feeling for where she was at that time. So right. I'm completely um, non-aggressive, trying to be teaching, helpful. We're in a group setting. We're not mm-hmm. by ourselves. And that was enough to trigger her. And I went, wow, what yeah. did some guy or some person do, do to, to her you. that set her off so easily? And then, you know, I, I know she'll get over it, not get over it. I know she'll be able to cope one day and, right. and make Learn good. to manage with that. Exactly. Yeah. And that's where I think that uh, we as people are just so amazing and strong and in the right situation, we can literally overcome anything. Absolutely. So what's... I'm guessing that's what energy power is. You're looking for ways to empower women, uh, uh, abused women. Absolutely. Um, it's my passion. I've known this whole time that, that I was supposed to be empowering women somehow, but I didn't know how. And I just knew that when the time came, I would know. Yeah. Right. And I wasn't ready before, you know, four years ago to kind of dive into this kind of thing. And, and it was, uh, you know, it, it was a really interesting moment in my life that day. You know, my whole entire life changed that day yeah. um, that I witnessed that. I went home, I cried about it, I prayed about it and said, you know, hey, if I'm supposed to do something about this, make it very clear because I don't do beat around the bush very well. <laughs> like I just will not pick up what you're putting down, slap yeah. me in the face with it. Then I had a certain um, city member show up at my door for elections, and I just curiously asked, well, "Why don't we have a women's shelter? And um, what exactly are we doing for domestic violence?" And I got very, you know, rudely told that. We don't have a problem here. We don't need a shelter. And if they need help, they can go to Calgary. That's a pretty brave statement. But From a man, never yeah. mind, right? And so wow. I was, that was my slap in the face. That was yeah. my, and, and this was two hours after I got home from the Safeway parking lot. Ooh. Right? Yeah. An hour after I threw it up there and said, hey, let me know. Yeah. And sure enough, it, it just so happened. He showed up at my door and that really ignited the fire in me and just went like, how can you not see that we have a problem? I just witnessed it two hours ago here in Airdrie. No, no, no. I'm like, but I did. That's that's what he said? Mm Mm-hmm. I yeah. want to ask you who, but I know we shouldn't do we it on We shouldn't there. do that. No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would love to, but he knows who he is. Yeah, and uh, hopefully he's listening and realizes there's actually a problem. He can well, be part of the you know, solution. They have, he, the, he, the, he has come around, oh, awesome. you know, by force. 
<laughs> Sometimes I wouldn't it has go to away, happen. Yeah. Right? I just yeah. kept bugging them and saying, no, this this needs to stop. And, you know, when I went around and I did a bunch of research and, and all of the, the um, resources that we do have in Airdrie, they are great and wonderful. They're simply just nowhere near sufficient to meet the extremely high demand that we have right now. And 20 years ago, it was it was okay for Airdrie to send all of the issues to Calgary because right. we didn't have the resources. We had seven or 8,000 people here, right? not 70,000. Right. right, and so now we're a very you know large, small city. We need to be taking care of our own. Calgary yeah. can't handle their own demand. Yeah. Um, and interestingly enough, the, the catchment area for Airdrie consists of 16 hamlets and five um, urban municipalities like Bicycur, Ircana, really? Crossfield, Cochrane, all of those, those people look to Airdrie for services. Yeah. So there's combined 75,000 people. This was in 2013. Yeah. Um, so the number's obviously higher now that look to Airdrie for services. So we have double, like we have the 65,000 here plus the 75,000 outside that depends on us for services as well. So there's quite a bit of people that look to Airdrie for, for all kinds of different services. So we need to take that into consideration too and go. So, so what's the goal then with uh, Airdrie power, obviously educating women, Yes. What else you guys looking Awareness to do? Um, is very, very important and key in, in what we want to do. So we've set up a, a three-phase plan, I guess you say. Um, we've broken things down so that we can um, attack domestic violence from every angle. The first being the day shelter, which we have um, opening late April. Nice. I, didn't, um, I had no idea that oh, that's, that's pretty far. Yeah. yeah. And then the second stage will be the 24-hour shelter yeah. um, for women because that's that's necessary no matter what we do. Yeah. Um, and then the third being long-term secure housing for, for these women as well. Okay. Um, somewhere where they can live in a secure building up to one to two years to kind of get back on their feet and get back out the door. So let's go back to phase one mm-hmm. and that's a day shelter. So day shelter. what does that look like? So, um, really, really neat idea. It's not been done anywhere in Canada or the United States that we can see through our research. It's very innovative and new. Mm-hmm. Um, and we wanted to kind of take a newer approach to, to domestic violence and how we, we, we deal with it. And so what it is, um, is 5% of women who report domestic violence or escape mm-hmm. um, use a, a 24-hour uh, shelter. Okay. And that leaves 95% of women trying to navigate leaving an unsafe relationship all by themselves. Wow. That's a huge part of the statistics. Yeah. And so we thought, what can we do to help those 95% while we're, you know, spending a couple years building the overnight shelter? Yeah. And the day shelter was um, thought up by one of my board members and why don't we create a place where women can go they're not rushed out the door they have all the time they need where they can start to get education to get awareness to get help and resources to to start their exit strategy because it takes a while you know when you do plan to leave it takes a long time and when women do decide to finally leave and up to two years after they leave they are at their most 
um, they are in the most danger they will ever be in. Yeah. So to have a safe, secure place to go and start making that planning and, you know, they can sneak out for an hour during the day. They can use phones that aren't being tapped or, or monitored, tracked. tracked, and then they can use the computer and, you know. So is this more like an, an office building, like a community links type place where they have a, a counselor or someone that can yes. guide them so on what the next step is for them? Absolutely. So we will have trained personnel there um, to to guide you through your next steps. We'll have counselors on hand as well. Um, we're pretty much advocating for these women and walking their journey with them. It's it's very overwhelming. Like you know, imagine. you get thrown a bunch of bunch of information. This is what you have to do. You're virtually starting your life over from scratch. Right. And that's scary. Yeah. Um, and when you've been isolated for any period of time, that's even more scary. And so to be able to come into a place and go, okay, what is my first step? And we yeah. will walk them through that. You know, let's not worry about all these things right now. Let's take care of number one. Right. And together. Yeah. And so, um, because when I accessed the shelter 20 years ago, 22 years ago, um, after I left the shelter, that was it. Mm-hmm. It was, here's everything you learned in the three weeks that you were there. Here's some resources that you can reach out to, but good luck. And we hope not to see you again. Yeah. And it was in that two years where I could have really used some assistance and just some support. Yeah. You know, you're not alone. Hey, let me help you make this phone call or let me, you know, help you make these next steps. And, and how can we um, help you reach your full potential and, and to empower you to be who and what you want to be? I think a lot of that would have to come from a psychologist or a psychiatrist or a counselor wow. of some sort. Absolutely. So that's absolutely necessary. But one of the, the neat statistics about domestic violence is a woman will, 70% of women who do reach out for help reach out through informal support systems, okay. which, um, so the RCMP, Community Links, ADVAS, um, Psychiatry, those, your doctor, those are formal support systems. Yeah. Um, and informal support systems, friends, family members, um, agencies like Airtree Power and, and things like that, those are informal support systems. So a woman is more likely to reach out for support and help to an informal support system. Hmm. And that's kind of what we are, but we will also be offering formal supports as well through through the agency. Um so it's really more of a partnership. Yeah. You know, we will get you to those services that you need because um, you absolutely need them. But we're we're here to to walk that journey with you. Yeah. Um, and so, of course, we'll have our, our professional staff and things like that. Um, but other than that, we will be, for lack of a better word, a friend and a support right. system through this whole journey. And we do have... <laughs> trained individuals sorry <laughs> scared me <laughs> to to handle that and and things like that so yeah. it's really quite it's it's an intricate little web of formal and informal supports we want to cover every base for these women it sounds uh really well planned out uh the the book that i'm listening to right now the david goggin story um when him and his mom escaped the abusive household 
that was actually how they did it, is that she had friended a lady a couple blocks away or a couple houses down that knew what was going on. And this lady helped her develop a plan without the abuser knowing about it, you know, setting up financing, setting up a place to go, letting the family know, okay, I'm leaving. So, you know, on this day, you know, like it was a a step-by-step, one, two, three, ABC, Mm -hmm. to get her out of the house with the kids safely, um, and the the story I don't think would be the recommended way of doing it. She literally went to the breakfast table. The two boys were there. The abuser, her husband, was there, and she's like, "I'm leaving you." Ooh, and that's scary. It, it turned out to be it worked well for her. Um, but uh, yeah, it's not the way that I would I not would, recommend that. That's no. <laughs> like poking the bear, like pushing yeah. the red button. It seems a bit of a crazy way. But either way, they got out. They traveled, and she hit some massive panic moments um, after she left where she had to call this lady and say, listen, my car I think is breaking down. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to go. I should just go back to where I was. And the lady's like, listen, put the mechanic on the phone. Um, The mechanic that at a local garage that didn't work on Volvo's and he goes, this is where she needs to go. And the lady's like, if I pay you, can you put oil in her car to get her to the Volvo dealership? So this lady was smart enough to know that she had to work through these problems with this yeah. that you people that suffer PTSD or uh, any kind of brain trauma at all just don't have that ability to think the next step the next step they're just well, so in the moment you know one of the things is when you're concerned with your safety that is your highest concern mm-hmm. that is your first and foremost thought in every single thing you do so when you are so focused on your safety you can't focus properly on other things and other steps that you have to take and, and do this and do that. Right. It's almost not fair to expect somebody to do that. Right, right. Right? Try to just be like, here, here's the information. This is what you've got to do. Have a great day. See you later. You yeah. know, um, it's it's <clears throat> not right to do that. We need support systems. And, and these people that are leaving a violent situation, they need that. Right. You know, it, it's it's... It's crazy overwhelming. I can't tell you how overwhelming it is to one day be living this way and the next day sitting in a shelter figuring out you've got three weeks yeah. to figure your whole life get your out. Craft together. You know? Yeah. And and what if you, you're not properly educated to get a job or you've never worked, you've never built a resume, you've you, those things are so such big hurdles that it's easy to walk away from those and go back because what can I do? Yeah. You know, but if you have somebody going, hey, you know, you can do this. We've got this. We'll do it step by step together. There's going to be bad days. There's going to be good days. I'm going right. to be here for you for both of them. You know, let's just get through one step at a time. The uh, I think it's innately part of the human um, psyche, maybe, the, the story of the... Um uh, the Jews that were held up by Pharaoh in the Bible, mm-hmm. uh, most of them wanted to go back because at least they knew what the Pharaoh right? was going to do. Yeah. That that's I get it. The devil, uh, you know. The devil, you know exactly right? that, uh, and that's such the wrong mentality to have. Like mm-hmm. life, life can get better no right? matter how good it is. It can get better, and Absolutely. no matter how bad it is, most definitely can get better. Yeah, fear is very powerful, though, yeah. you know, and that's something it that really I, is. I want people to understand. Yeah. I only lived with this this man two and a half blocks away from my grandmother's house. Oh, wow. And it was to the point where I was too afraid to leave. It takes me, what, a minute, two minutes to get to my grandma's house, and yeah. he left all the time. Yeah. But the fear of if he came home while I was in the middle of leaving or walking down the street... right. The risk was too high. 
Right. Right. And so that fear kept me paralyzed in a house, just just houses down from family. I can imagine how devastating that is because you're sort of damned if you do and damned if you don't. It's probably what uh, an abused person is going through, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I can stay here and as long as I stay good, then nothing's right. going to happen. Yeah. But if I try to, I don't know if I can get jobs. I have to come back. They're going to be way it's more scary. mad than they were last time. Yeah, um, yeah I can only... I, it's, honestly, it's, and I can only imagine. Yeah, it is really, really scary. It's a, it's a really scary process. And I can see, you know, I was presented with almost every single hurdle you could possibly think of. Um, and I could see how easy it was for me to just say, forget this. Yeah. I'm just going to go back, you know, <clears throat> because, oh, my goodness, I, this is too much. Right. It's too much. I've got an infant. I'm, I'm you know... I'm damaged. I'm trying to go to court and put him in jail and all of these different things. And I was presented so many roadblocks where it would have been so easy for me just to say, forget it. Right. Um, And it was just surely out of, you know, love for my daughter and not wanting her to see me black and blue. Right. Or being raised in an environment where she thinks that's okay. Right. Yeah. Right. That was my, my motivation for leaving. You know, I wasn't... I wasn't strong enough to to save myself, but I was strong enough to to save, save her, her from that. And I, I say this all the time as as a parent that my job is to teach my son how to be a good man mm-hmm. and not to be a good boy, not to be a good team, yeah. but to be a good man. And it's my job to show my daughter what it's like to be with a good man. That's right. And that's what you got to work hard at every day. So if you're a parent in an abuse situation, is this the best thing to be showing your kid every day? Right. And, and I get it. I'm not trying to place blame or say, you no. know, but that it's has to thing. be the foremost thing on your mind is that you're taking care of the kids first. Right. They have no choice. But then, choice. you know what? We go back to fear. It is yeah. so powerful. It is so powerful. Yeah. And, and unless you know that fear paralyzing fear it you just can't comprehend yeah. you know you just think well no you you just you take a deep breath you buck up and you do it you do it for the kids right but the fear the fear is too the much. fear is unbelievable and that's what keeps them there yeah right just fear so in phase one they're they're going to learn their process of what mm-hmm. they're going to go through and phase two is going to be the, the, the emergency t- overnight shelter right yeah so that's somewhere for if you are in immediate danger yeah um because what i would like to see here in airdrie is as much as possible to limit the trauma to the children right right so picking up children and leaving the city and being dropped into another city they have to go to school while they're in the shelter. Right. So they get put into schools around the shelter. Um, so they're getting yanked out of school, put into a new school, then three to four weeks later getting yanked out of that school and going back to wherever they were or wherever they are going. So that's potentially, you know, in a month and a half time, these children are seeing three different schools. They're losing their that's friends. That's traumatic enough without right? anything else going Never on. Never mind what else is going on. And um, if we can keep the children in the community, in their support system, I think that is best. We need to really limit the trauma to these kids. And over, you know, time, because mom is such a focus, which she has to be, let's get you help, let's get you set up, let's get you a place, let's da 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 The kids just kind of get dragged right through. Yeah. And kids are wonderful and they are resilient. But because just because they're resilient doesn't mean they should have to be. Right, I right? agree. So if we could limit the trauma to these children as much as possible, that's where an overnight shelter in town comes into play. Because 
you have families in rural areas that don't venture into big cities all that often, you know, and, and to be told that, well, we're going to dump you off in downtown Calgary or wherever. Yeah. That's enough to stop me from leaving my home. Right. right? Like, what? You want me to what? Uh, no. Yeah. I don't I'll know just... how to handle the city. I don't right. know. Right. I don't, I don't know anybody. I don't know where to go. They give you a bus pass and say, good luck. Wow. Right? And so it's, that's enough to stop me from leaving, right? Like, yeah. okay, that's too much. Um, I don't know if I would have went to a shelter if I would have had to have left Calgary. Yeah. I was born and raised in Calgary. Everybody and everything I ever knew was in Calgary. And so, um, you know, 22 years ago when I went, it was just on a whim that I went to the shelter. Um, an opportunity arose. I took it. Um, there was no wait list. I got right in. There was a bed available for me, you know, and then wow. I proceeded to just move forward and, and do what I needed to do to get to where I am today. Yeah. Where now that's not going to happen. You're going to get put on a wait list. And wow. if you're in immediate danger, the government will put you up in a hotel somewhere until a bed becomes available. Yeah. But you're most likely to get turned away and put on a wait list simply yeah. because they're full to capacity 100% of the time. You know what bothers me most about that is is not even the shelters, that, that there's that much abuse, that yeah. there's that much violence out there that... Um, we can't keep up with the shelters we have because mm-hmm. I think that I, I don't know what the numbers are, but I do. <laughs> I want to hear that. So, um, Alberta, I don't know why, but for almost ever, Alberta has been number one in domestic violence in Canada. Yeah. Um, I think just last year, the year before, it went down to number two. Saskatchewan took number one place. Um, and then so with Alberta having the highest rate of domestic violence nationally, um, Airdrie actually is number one in Alberta for domestic wow. violence statistics. Yeah. So if um, you think about it numbers-wise, um, nationally in Canada, uh, the numbers are 253 people, uh, 253 victims per 100,000 people. So that's Canada. Two and a half percent. Right. And then Alberta alone, they have 290 victims per 100,000 people. So Alberta is already higher than the national average by a hair, but they're still higher. And then Airdrie, Airdrie statistics are in 2016 was 1,240 per 100,000 people. 10%. So Airtree is 4.3% higher than just the Alberta average for domestic violence. (sighs) Yeah. And, you know, we're not even at 100,000 people yet, right? So so can we just break it down a little bit? And what, so um, how, what are those numbers based on? So let's divide, um, define... Sorry, those numbers actually like bother me a lot. Yeah, they're they're quite I, high. They're, that's really really high. But I want to know what they define domestic abuse as. So then, it's kind of different. Okay. So it's a little bit different everywhere. Airdrie um, defines domestic violence as any kind of disturbance that's called in. Um, that's in the home. You could be fighting over a stake. You could actually be getting beat up. There could be certain things, but anytime the police are called, um, in Airdrie for any kind of 
fighting in the home, okay. that's considered domestic violence. Okay. Calgary's a little stricter with their statistics. Their, you know, physical violence kind of has to be involved, intimidation, verbal abuse, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but their numbers are still high. So it's, you know, there's not a lot of difference in the definition of, of violence. You hear intimate partner violence, you hear family violence, yeah. you know, you hear domestic violence. It's all the same thing. Right. It's when somebody does not feel safe or they're being intimidated or um, they're just not safe in their own home. Right. That's considered domestic violence. And that can be between, you know, mother and child it can be between husband and wife you know brother and sister it doesn't it's not limited to simply you know a boyfriend girlfriend or or husband and wife kind of thing that yeah. kind of thing so that's even more disturbing though yes. like that, those are fairly strict rules and those are only ones getting reported like you mm-hmm. said you watched four men walk by a car where a lady was getting um physically beaten she was getting yeah. punched um and they probably maybe they would have maybe they I, I don't know if they would have called the police maybe they saw you were calling the police no. but how many domestic violence um episodes are happening that nobody's saying it about well and so, because it, it doesn't typically happen out on the street right this is behind closed door problem right um and and in the society that we have now it's built around closed doors you know yeah. you go in your garage you, and you go in the house and that's it Right. And so it's no front porches, no front porches. I mean, it's not even going to happen out on the front porch anyway, because this is not something people want to, to show. Right. Right. And this is why abusers, you know, hit you in certain locations that can be covered and things like that, because they're aware their behavior is wrong. Right. And, but yet they still do it. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's been allowed to fester. Yeah. Is how I see it because nobody is really saying anything or talking about it. Um, it's really gotten bad and it's getting worse. The, um, the faster we grow and the more we grow, we're in line for these numbers to do nothing but go up and, and very rapidly. Yeah. Yeah. And so we need to really talk about it and let people know that, you know, Well, you look at the stress that's on families right now with, uh, you know, what they paid for their homes and not being able to find work and, um, you know, I, I hardly know an electrician that's got a full-time job right now. Right. Like it's, it's a, it's, it's crazy because I don't know, maybe so many people moved here. The change was so fast. The, um, I, I don't know what's causing it, but there's obviously a lot, a lot of stress on families mm-hmm. right now. Well, it, it's, Alberta seems to be a boomer bust province, you yeah. know, and we've been booming for, for quite a while. Yeah. And, and I think this, this economic downturn really hit everybody really, really, really hard because you go from having well-paid jobs. I mean, financial, um, stress does not cause domestic violence. Right. It is a, um, <clears throat> I don't know. It's, it's, it's almost a, like a trigger. Well, it's almost, it is kind of a trigger, but I, I mean, if, if you're in financial distress and things are going terrible, if you're not an abuser, you're not just going to suddenly turn into one. Right. 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 So it was either there and things were happening. It just really increases th- the the frequency or and the, the intensity, intensity yeah. of, of that. So Well, it seems like someone that gets themselves in that situation or ends up in that situation, um, they're lacking somewhere anyways, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's, um, 
you know, they don't have the ability to keep a job or, you know, if, if a person is an abuser, they're of low, um, I don't know what the right way to describe it. They're not very confident. They're not very secure. They probably don't have great skill Which sets. Which would surprise you because you see people like CEOs who yeah. walking around owning the place and taking care of business. They're abusers too. True. Right? True. Like it's, you You know, and how many times do you hear, I mean, I hear it, but he's such a nice guy. Yeah. Everybody likes him. That can't be true. Right. There's no way he's beating you. He's such a, I mean, he just helped me move yesterday. No, no questions asked. He does this. He bends over backwards for everybody in the community. There's no way. Right. So, you know, domestic violence on both the abuser and, and the victim does not discriminate. Right. You know, there's a lot of stereotypes out there that, you know, if you're poor, poor, weak-minded, you know, or just not educated, you're going to be the one to suffer from domestic violence. Yeah. That is so not true. It doesn't matter. Money, does wealth, not culture, matter. Status, anything. It does not discriminate, and everybody's at risk for it. Yeah. You know? I So I, I, I got some other questions I want to ask you, sure. but let's go to phase three. Um, so phase three. So... Yeah. Um, that's a, a very, very important step in the success of women leaving unhealthy situations and staying out of them. Yeah. Um, phase three will give them, um, after they leave the, the 24 hour shelter, they will go into an apartment, a small little tiny apartment that is still a secure building. So it's still kind of on lockdown, just like a shelter would be. You can't just walk in and do things and, and things like that. And it also, um, it keeps these women on track with counseling and support systems and, and things like that for up to a year to two years. I mean, however long we decide to, to run the program for, right. um, a year seems to be the typical amount of time yeah. that these women are given in these places, but, um, it gives them a secure place to live their own place. So it starts to really empower them and see that they can take care of themselves and they can have their own place and they can go get a job and do all of these different things yeah. and gives them time to save money. Yeah. You know, you cannot start your whole life over in three weeks when you just get a job, right? Your like first it, paycheck doesn't even buy you all the kitchen anything, supplies right? that you need. Um, and, and unfortunately, you know, social services, it's funny because I, I looked into it recently and they do have funding available for when you are leaving um, a domestic violence situation. So they give you a thousand dollars. Yeah. Oh, they gave me a thousand dollars back in the day, 22 years ago. Yeah. Um, they still give you only a thousand dollars. Thousand dollars doesn't give you nothing. nothing. So you know, twenty years ago, a thousand dollars got me. You know, I got to buy some. I had to go to a thrift store, but I got to buy some pots and pans and and a, and a couch and a bed for my myself and my daughter and and some clothes so that I could go to work and things. It it was sufficient. Yeah. It wasn't great, but it did the trick back then. Yeah. But now a thousand dollars doesn't get you anywhere. No. You know, no. it's it's sad but true, right? You know, and and a single apartment places we're looking at thirteen, fourteen hundred dollars. Yeah. A month. For a cheap apartment for out here. Yeah. Yeah. And then you never mind utilities and all of these different things. And um these women are expected to just take care of that. Right. Right. And that's that's not feasible. And so in order to, to help them succeed, my goal is to make sure these women succeed. Yeah. And whatever it takes to make sure they succeed is what it takes. If it takes two years, if it takes three years, uh, in whatever fashion, I want you to succeed. Um, right. There's no more quick fix. There's no more, here you go, here's some information, you know, do what's best. Right? right. And it's, it's just not that simple. So phase three is... 
a very important part of the plan if we really truly want these women to be successful. Yeah. Um, and so personally, without phase three, phase one and two aren't going to do a whole lot of good when you, you really right. need to physically leave and start over. Do you have timelines planned for um, phase two and three? Um, we hope to have phase two um, up and running in three years. Okay. Um, it is quite a large task at this point. What What are your biggest hurdles? Finances? Finances. Yeah. Um, so there's not a lot of money available out there to build a shelter. Yeah. There's money to operate, um, but there's next to no money to build it. So mm. we're looking at fundraising that 100% on our shoulders. And, right. And it's $3.5 million. Um, just to build the smallest one that we could kind of build outside yeah. of a home. Yeah. Um, but even with a home, it is in the millions to to get what we need. Right. Um, and so that's going to take a little bit of time yeah. to fundraise, and it's going to take a little bit of time to get the city really truly on board with moving forward. Is there government grants? Is there government support for this? So there is for the day shelter. Um, that opened up a lot of opportunities for granting for us, yeah. um, which is fantastic. So we've started to apply for all of those. Um, as it stands right now, I simply have a very devoted board that, you know, has devoted their time and said, hey, we will keep this day shelter operational for the first year, 100% voluntary. Um, we'll do whatever we have to do. And, and we're relying on other people who will volunteer in the shelter for us as well. Uh, we just don't have the funds to pay staff at this point. The volunteers, are you looking for only women volunteers? In shelter, yes, they would have to be women. Yeah. Um, but outside, there's lots of different opportunities to um, be involved. And I want men to be involved. Right. I want to show women that there are good men out there. <laughs> right. and, and that men can change. Yeah. You know, but it's not a, a, an environment conducive to admitting that you were an abuser and now you're redeemed and everything's wonderful. Scary. You know, no man's going to do that. Right. I wouldn't do that. Yeah. Right? Like, you just that's really putting yourself out there and we haven't created a safe environment for them to do so. So there's not a lot of examples of men who have suffered um, from being abusers and have changed and put the work in and, you know, and, and, but it does happen. Yeah, for sure. And I would love to showcase that. And I would love to show these women and children in the community that there are good men out there and they do support us. Yeah. I just don't get all that many men. <laughs> I would imagine. Volunteer. Actually, we we just uh, we just brought on our very first male um, board member last month. Oh, cool. uh, so it's been four years. I've been dying for a man to come on board, <laughs> right? You know, even yeah. us out a little bit, maybe. I don't know, but yeah. um, so we finally got uh, a man. Like misogyny is real. Yeah. Just today, I was in a meeting um, with certain city officials, and I got told, "Well, maybe now." You that you have a man on your board that will bring a little bit more um, legitimacy to your organization. Wow! He said that right to me this morning. I couldn't believe wow. it. I thought, wow, I still need a man. So I, I have know? this phrase that I use all the time, and when I get angry, I talk about, oh, I'm going to punch that guy in the face. I never right. punch him in the face, right? Right. I, of course I not. Say it to my I kids, say I'm going to throat punch people all the time. Right. <laughs> That guy deserves to get punched in the face. I couldn't believe he said it. <laughs> I just, right? I, 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 thought, I wow. don't even know how to respond. Like I get people say things without thinking, and they're tired. And mm -hmm. uh, but if you're in the, the professional, you know, um, the profession of being a politician, 
you should be looking for the right things to say at the right time. Even if you don't believe them, it's good for your career. And for someone to say something that's stupid. Some things you just don't say. And, (sighs) you know, but... It's reality. Yeah. Do you want me to go punch him in the face? <laughs> no. No, I'm totally <laughs> against violence. So. <laughs> I, uh, I, I understand. <laughs> right. We can talk it out. Yeah. I, I told him how I felt about it. That's You good. know, I said it's ridiculous that, that it takes a man being on my board for us to be taken seriously in this city. You know, that it should not be it that is way. It's ridiculous. There are so many successful women in or, uh, Absolutely. organizations run by women that it shouldn't... It, it shouldn't, I, it shouldn't even happen. I honestly but. didn't think I was going to get as angry as I was. Oh, I apologize. No, it's okay. Yeah. It's probably good that I'm angry that I'm um, hearing this and feeling this and, and yeah, being able to share this because um, it's extremely... Um, there's my kid sneaking behind me. <laughs> it's it's extremely frustrating. One of the questions I was going to ask you earlier, because a lot of times with problems, people look at you know the band aid. You know, let's mm-hmm. let's put a band aid on this, and that that that'll get better. The wound will get better. Yeah, but if you're getting hit every day, if you know what what is the overall? Where do we find? The, the education for men and for families and 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 I don't even want to say support because it seems wrong to support an abuser but there there has not to if be... he's willing to change I, I guess. mean that's who we have to invest in the most right it's those that 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 are abusers that are willing to change and to look inside themselves and take those steps because those are tough yeah um, Airdrie does have um, one one program that I'm aware of it's a court mandated program but it is for male abusers um, that that do get you know the help that they're supposed to get whether they do anything with that um, that's really up to them but we do have a program here in Airdrie available for that so we are looking at that and how do we help both ends because yeah. unless we're helping both ends the, you, he's you just couldn't build enough on, shelters right? right and we need to fix the problem and the problem is the abusers right not the victims yeah and so how do we do that and that's something that Airdrie Power is looking at you know down the road like how how can we you know create an environment for men to to safely get the help that they want in in, in a place where they don't feel emasculated while doing it. So what does that program look like? Like what 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 happens inside those doors? You know, I have no idea. Hmm. My main focus is always the women. That's yeah. just my personal passion. Who, who runs the program here in town? Because I, I really... community links does. Okay, they, it's it's a really great program. Um, I can't quite remember what it's called, but if you just give them a shout, they'll let you know and they'll tell you all about it. But they do they do have that available. I would like to see more more churches and stuff get involved in, in in facilitating these kinds of programs and stuff to just kind of reach every angle of the city. I'm in a very forward-thinking church right now, being a venue church here in Airdrie. Oh, yeah, um, nice. they're, they're a great organization, and so I'll definitely talk to the leaders oh, there absolutely. and see. absolutely. I'd love to come and chat. That's... I, I ran a self-defense uh, program here in Energy for, I think, almost four years, five years, where it was free to the community. You just come Fantastic. in any time. You can learn, you know, basic boxing skills and wrestling and submission skills and stuff That's like fantastic. that, which my goal wasn't necessarily to help um, abused women or abused people at all. It was just to give something people to the community general, yeah. that um, would give them some skill sets and some confidence and the ability to overcome small tasks. And, and I just know that when people have 
um, one in some way. Like they've gained skill sets, their mm-hmm. confidence goes up, they're less likely to be abused. Um, or from my standpoint, from self-defense, it was more less likely to be attacked on the streets, right? right? If you're walking tall. And, you walk with confidence. Like there's just little things that you can do. I teach my daughters that. Yes. You know, I don't care what you're listening to or what you're doing or how scared you are. You walk tall, you look around, you're aware of your surroundings. Yeah. Always. Yeah. You know, and um, it was it was it was kind of neat when I was. So I have a twenty year old, an eleven year old, and a and a nine year old. And my nine year old's my son, and then I have my two girls. And yeah. so my focus is the natural. You know, you hold your keys, and my daughter's just gone off to university. So I'm telling her, you know, when you go to the parking lot at night, this is how what you do, and this is blah 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 blah. And you know, and and I kind of had a, an epiphany, and I and my husband's like, well, you're gonna make her paranoid. <laughs> That's part of the problem. And I said, well, I said, you know, let's let's have a comparison here. Yeah. When you leave the grocery store it's late at night it's dark what is your thought process from when you leave that store to when you get to the car yeah he's like "Mm, what video game am i gonna play later (laughs) you know just like where's the car right where's the car kind of thing well for a woman and every woman as soon as we leave that store and it's dark there's so many different things going through our mind okay we're looking around is there a van suddenly parked beside our vehicle you know you have the keys between your fingers just in case you're attacked you unlock your car you look in before you get in because you don't want somebody to be in there to attack you when you do get in the first thing you do is lock the door and turn on the lights and all of these processes that are almost natural for women right right that they have to go through just for basic safety right going from the grocery store to their car where men they don't have that no and and uh comic joe rogan talks about this at length when you know you hear about uh, men getting um sexually abused he's like really yeah and i it's it's just a different thing, right? Hard, when when you're in work and a woman is sexually aggressive toward you, there's no threat. <laughs> you might lose your job. You might right. you might not like the the feel of it, but there's no threat. Like honestly, there's there's maybe twenty women on this planet that could do something to me against my will. Right. And, and I'm not an overly big guy. I'm not an overly skilled guy. Right. No, my list is is almost below zero it's something that we we we've tolerated for far too long that you know this is normal this is normal behavior it's normal for a woman to be afraid and and can't go jogging out late at night and you know can't do this and can't or shouldn't we can of course do anything we want to do right but you you shouldn't do these types of things and you shouldn't dress a certain way and and it's just you know for lack of a better term it's not fair it's not fair. It's not fair, you know, but it is what it is. Yeah. So even though it's not fair, it's it's something that we have to do. Yeah. You know, so I told my husband, I said, it's, you don't like the idea of me teaching our daughters these things, but yeah, it's just the way it is, you know. And there's lots of things that can put you in, that's not even the right way to describe it. I was going to say that can make them safer because really there's not. Even when I taught self-defense, one of the things that, that I made very, very clear is you want to avoid any kind of conflict at all because mm-hmm. the, the the conflict itself is where you know you can have all kinds of skill sets. Some of the top MMA women in the world, um, can be there was one just easily. recently that made the news and she had uh, a non-MMA husband that beat the daylights out of her um and she's a pro fighter yeah um so learning the skill does sets, not discriminate it doesn't it's more situational awareness than anything you know mm-hmm. pick the places you're gonna go not that they should have to hey, but 
I don't know if I should say this on the air, but even coming here, right? I put into place a few safety plans. Perfect. Right? You yeah. know, I'm coming to your house. I don't know you. Right. I don't know what's happening. So it, silly little things like that. Yeah. That, okay, well, I'm going to this address at this time, and, you know, I'm expected to leave at this time, and, you know, if you don't hear from me or if I'm not home, you know, worry. Right. Right. Phone call, let them know. But again, that was almost natural. Right. Right. Where my husband didn't even think about it. He's like, (laughs) he's like, wait a minute, what? You're worried? I said, well, of course I'm concerned. Right. I don't know this man. Yeah. And he's, and I'm just walking into his house. You never know. Right. And we used to do the podcast in the kitchen. And so I have an island um, table in the kitchen. And so what made the most sense so that we could treat our guests well was they would sit at the back. And one of our first guests was a lady who had never met before. And my co-host was sitting at the end of the table and I was kind of sitting here and she had to walk around behind us and then get trapped between the table and an outside wall. And so as she's walking back there, my co-host looked at me and goes, this probably isn't the best place to put a strange woman. Right, in the corner In the corner. And I'm like, it's probably not a good time to even talk about it. (laughs) Let's just let it go. She seems comfortable. Hopefully, Hopefully she won't notice or anything exactly but but yeah you know what as a man i don't think you don't think about those things i've been in really really seedy bars and and parts of the city and and i'll be more aware you'll be aware of your you know but But you're mostly looking for aggressive men that just want to fight pick a fight uh, you know 100 percent right jerks like that don't don't want to get robbed i don't have my wallet taken away or my car taken away you're not taught that when you go to the bar you never put your drink down you never leave it alone and if you do leave it alone you order another one you know, and and if you are drinking, have water in between the drinks, you know, and how to trick your date from thinking that you are drinking heavily, you know, get the waitress involved. That there's, one I haven't even heard of. That's unbelievable. so many things that you have to do in order to protect yourself. Yeah. As a woman in this society. And then and then to be attacked at home, yeah. you know, is... it's That's supposed to be your safe place. That's supposed to be your safe place. And right. that's so damaging and... I just don't want any woman in this city or surrounding area to feel that they're stuck. Yeah. It's what it comes down to. You should not ever feel stuck or afraid to to be whatever it is that you want to be in life. So uh, there's obviously programs out there for men, usually court-ordered, as mm-hmm. you said. Um, what would you like to see um, men that either are... are are being abusive or think they might be abusive or have been abusive, what what would that program look like to you? What, what do you think they need? Well, they, they need counseling, yeah. um, serious, serious counseling, because they have to, just like women have to learn that that's not an acceptable behavior, they do too. Right. You know, they have to learn how to deal with their emotions and their feelings and their anger in a productive, proper manner. We all get angry. We all lose our temper. But majority of us have learned how to deal with that properly. Right. And and they have not. So that's what that would look like. It would be a very intensive course for, for these men yeah. and long-term. Yeah. Not a simple four- to six-week course. And here's a few breathing skills. And, you know, yeah. let's hope that, you know, you can keep your cool. But a very long-term process. Right. Just like it takes a very long time to to recover from domestic violence, it takes a very long time to recover from being abuser. Do you know what the stats are about um, abusers and uh, whether they come from abusive families? Because I recently heard a thing about um, throughout history, if you take like the most violent people and then you go, well, if they had 
four kids and those four kids would be violent and blah, blah, blah. And it would only take a matter of a few years before everybody on the earth was violent. And so it's actually going the other way that, you know, we have um, definitely have abusers out there, but they don't always breed more abusers. Right, exactly. It's just like, um, you know, when you're raised in an alcoholic home. Yeah. You know, if you have two children, the chances are one will be an alcoholic and one will not. Yeah. Or both will not. You know, just because you're in that environment doesn't mean that's exactly what's going to happen. It means, you know, it's easier for that to happen. Yeah. Because you've seen it and you've lived it and you know it. Yeah. But it doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to happen. Right. But no, I don't actually know those statistics and I will look into those. But um, the cycle of violence is quite high. Well, in Airdrie, it's just like 10%. That is crazy. There's 7,000 homes or 7,000 so, families getting uh, uh, abused um, in Airdrie, and, and that's of the ones that are being reported. Those are just the ones being reported. Right. So the statistics on that are only 10% of victims report. So that number is only one-tenth of actually what's going on. Yeah. Because if there's no resources and, and you feel like there's no hope, you're not going to report it. Right. If the consequences are extremely bad, you're not going to report it. If you believe they're going to get better, you're not going to report it. Of course, and you want to believe it because it's that, oh, that's that psychological game they play. Right. It's not all bad. Not every single day is bad. There's wonderful days. There's great days. He's loving. He's caring. He's kind. And you hold on to that. Right. And I hope... That we can get back to that good place. If I can do things just right. Right. If, you know, if I wouldn't have, you know, said that or, or right. you know, if I would have made his dinner properly or, or whatnot, then, you know, maybe this wouldn't have happened. Wow. But so, so the numbers are far greater than we even can imagine. Okay. So you have phase one. You have mm-hmm. the, the day camp. Um the day shelter, shelter yeah. where people can get some information and learn something new and maybe come up with a game plan to to get out. Yeah, start um, their safety planning. So they come up with a game plan. Obviously, there's no shelter for them 24 hours right. or longer here. What are their options right now? Um, well, so if they're in need of an emergency shelter, we will get them to a shelter. Okay. And so, and what our our shelter enables us to do is is not rush them out the door. Right. If it takes till 9, 10 o'clock at night, we have on-call people that will stay there and be with you. Um, you're not bounced around from here to there until you can get into a shelter. We will not uh, make you go back into an unsafe situation. Right. Nor will we send you out the door with without a safe place to go. Yeah. Um, so, But the main focus of the day shelter is to set these women up so that when they do leave, they don't have to access the 24-hour shelter. Okay. That they're empowered and educated and and um, have enough resources behind them that when they do finally do take that step, they don't need to access the shelter. That's awesome. my dream. Yeah. Uh, I want to provide services that, that empower these women to a point where, okay, I'm ready to do this. This is my plan. This is what I'm going to do. I've got everything set up so that it's not overwhelming when you do leave because chances are something traumatic is going to happen at that time. Well, and and thinking about that as you're saying it is that if you're not having to purchase buildings and maintain them and then you can just empower the the person, mm-hmm. um, that money would go a lot further, right? It would. It's uh, $3.5 million of education is worth a heck of a lot more than a building. That's Although right. we probably need a building. We do for those yeah. emergency 
purposes, but so many women don't utilize them. There's so many different reasons why women will not go to a 24-hour shelter. And there's a lot of, you know, judgment behind that. Well, if you were in real danger, you would do what it takes. Mm. You know, it's mm, it's not that simple. People. Right? You know, things like pets will stop people from leaving. Because yeah. you can't take pets to the shelter. Well, they're not going to leave their beloved and only friend nine times out of ten in the abusive home because he's going to most likely abuse that animal to get back to you. Right. Right, to get at if you. If you don't or, come back, that's what I'm going right, to do. Right, you know, and, and that's that's heartbreaking. Yeah. And I wouldn't expect anybody to have to make that decision because, as you probably know, family pets are family. Right. You love these animals and you cherish them. And when you're in an abusive situation, sometimes they're the only support system you have. Yeah. Um, and so to expect somebody, to, you know, to say to somebody, well, if you were in real danger, you would leave that dog behind. Yeah. That's not true. You know, and so, and then there's finances. There's, like I said before, leaving and going to a different city and having no support systems. There's so many different reasons you know, they may have a job that they will lose if they get uprooted and, and move to another city. So they may have financial um, um, stability. access, stability on their own. Yeah. But if they're uprooted and left, then they would lose that. Right. And so um, all of those women who who just for whatever reason it is, cannot access the emergency shelter, yeah. we will be there to help guide you and start your path, your your safe exit strategy, whatever that looks like. Yeah. We want to be able to have things like they can store their documents, so copies of their ID and new bank accounts and all of that stuff safely in the shelter so that they have access to it outside of the home. Yeah. Because those are things too that, you know, you, you the abuser sees those and things get dangerous. Once right. he clues in that that you're trying to leave, you suddenly become in the most danger you've ever, ever been in because he is losing control. Yeah. And that's a scary thing to see. Yeah, yeah. That that lack of uh, confidence, the mm-hmm. insecurities, and then the, the knowing that you've lost is got to yeah. be... Uh, Some of those men can't handle that. Yeah, you know that just they're they're fragile egos and and just beings. The thought of somebody leaving them, they can't handle that. Yeah, and so you know, and there is a lot of if you leave me, you know, if I can't have you, nobody else can. So many women die at the hands of an intimate partner, and always within two years after they leave. Really? Yeah. Do you know the book Life uh, Life with Billy? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, I read that book when I was very, very young. It's a very graphic novel mm-hmm. about, and I'm not remembering the lady's name that was in it, but I think that happened to her. She uh, she wrote Life with Billy and then Life after Billy, and I don't think I can't remember the timeline now, but it wasn't long after the second book came out that she was. Um, uh, murdered, uh, and that was in Nova Scotia, I believe, yeah. right? I think, uh, now, I, this might be well, the only statistic that I'm a little fuzzy on. I think it's one woman every five days dies from from um, being killed by their partner in Canada. Wow. One every five days. So that's uh, 150, no, 120 people mm-hmm. a year. A um, year. That is insane to me. That's that's um, too many women being lost from something that, you know, could have been prevented. Yeah. 
And overall, the world is getting safer and safer and safer. And that is still a lot, a lot of abuse. I'm still shocked that in 2019, the statistics are what they are. You would think in this day and age, how is this still happening? Yeah. But not only is it happening, but it's getting worse. I wonder what it is about our little town. So, um... Uh, Mark, who used to be my co-host, or may still, um, <laughs> he, he's got a really bad view of Airdrie. Like, it's mm. a bunch of hillbilly, redneck, uneducated. That's so funny. I just had that conversation this morning. Yeah, and, and like most people I know, and it's probably just my circle, is not like that. And then I hear the statistics about the, the abuse um, here in town, and it's it's a little bit upsetting to, to think about. Did you know, actually, Airdrie is 75 Five or 76% Euro-Canadian. So what that means is yeah. it's 75% white. Yeah. Um, and we have a very, very low immigration um, population here. It's 10%, I think, of our population. Yeah. 10% or less. Um, only 3% Indigenous um, population here. And the rest is... White. It's all white. Wow. You know, and I, born and raised in Calgary, Calgary is a very multicultural place, you know, typically. Compared to Airdrie, com- for well, sure. compared to Airdrie, <laughs> for sure. Like, growing up in, in Calgary, you know, it almost is to the point where white people were the minority. Yeah. And, and you just see every race and religion all around you all day long. And now I'm raising a a half black child, mm-hmm. right? And so in Calgary, there was no thought about it. She was surrounded by tons of, of mixed Canadians and, and different cultures and stuff that there wasn't even thought about it. Yeah. And then when we moved up here in, in high school, she actually, after her first year of high school, she said, mom, like this is actually horrible. Wow. This is, it's a very racist town. And I said, what? No, you're kidding. I, I I'm have not a buying friend that. and uh, he adopted, um, an East Indian girl and uh, two boys from Nigeria. Mm. Um, and uh, he came to me and he's like, can you teach my boys to fight? And I'm like, why? And he says, every day, mm-hmm. every day. Oh, the racial slurs my daughter put up with and, and heard on a daily basis because there was only, she was one of three students in a yeah. high school that were of color. Right. Which is not what she's used to. Yeah. You know, and, and she... She felt it, and it wasn't until she brought it to my attention, you know, being, I, I don't know, I, I don't know how to say it. I know we're not supposed to talk about this, but being a white person, I didn't notice. Yeah. I just didn't notice. Well, I didn't notice. Well, same as me being in a family that, that's not violent. Right. Um, just, that I just don't notice the violence going on. And maybe the, the violence would stand out more than even the racism will, because most of the racists aren't all that brave, although abusers aren't that brave right, either. Yeah. <laughs> that so. that it's all done in secrecy, is hiding. And the, the David Goggins book, um, he used to get notes in his uh-huh. book that someone else would grab and you know show uh, a black person hanging from a noose and said, you're going to oh, die, and being terrible. a 14-year-old boy in Indiana, um, you know, and having no place to go to, to stand to, to get support. One of three black families in the town. And, you know, I guess it's the same thing here is just, there's such a a small amount of, um, non-white people that there's uh, not very many. And, and how is that possible? Yeah. How are we so close to such a multicultural city that, 
that's but Airdrie's had that reputation. I don't know how long you've lived in Airdrie. Since uh, two thousand four. Okay, so fifteen years since the dawn of time, Airdrie has been known as the redneck wife beating capital of Alberta. I know I've heard that the the statistics just... we had the most amount of churches and the most amount of domestic abuse. Yeah, and the domestic abuse still stands, and it can't be um, that we grew them because no. most people in Airdrie are not from Airdrie. No, it's, I think, you know, what contributes to the high statistics is a couple different things. One of the things being the main demographic for domestic violence happens to be the main demographic of Airdrie. Okay. So young families, young women, um, ages, you know, 18 to 24 is the highest level of domestic violence. And then 24 to 35 is where the second highest amount of domestic violence is found in women. And that happens to be the demographic of Airdrie. Yeah. The majority of Airdrie is young families. And you're easily isolated here. Yeah. Very easily. You're still within commuting distance of a big city. You know, you can be isolated from your friends and family. It is so easy in this city to, one, to be isolated. One of the things I used to say all the time uh, about Airdrie was that, um, you know, when you go to a new town, so I pack up my family, we move to Toronto, we move into a neighborhood. Most of the people in that neighborhood would have grown up in that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they're used to newcomers coming in. You make friends. Let's make the new person welcome. What if everybody's the new person? How? Who's making who welcome? Who's right. who's starting the friendships? And I, I, I think that's a big part because we were the fastest growing city in Canada for mm-hmm. eight years running, and seven years running. We have no plans on stopping. Right. Um, that where where does that come in? You need to have some kind of community organization where people can meet each other and, and support each other. And mm-hmm. But if everybody's new, like you said, you the 18 to 24-year-old uh, mom that uh, doesn't have time to make friends, what does she do when the abuse starts? Right. Where do you go? And Airdrie's, you know, it is an amazing city to raise your children in and have a family in if you're in a certain... Well, it turns out it's not. It, well, <laughs> well, it is. I mean, domestic violence is everywhere. Yes. It's just prevalent here for some reason, and nobody really can put a finger on why. Yeah. You know, there's a, a bunch of contributing factors, but who really knows why? What's the catalyst? Right. Yeah. Well, why is this happening? But um, it's it's a wealthy white town Yeah, is what it is. And if you don't fit into that category, you are easily left behind. Right. And those single mothers, um, you know, like it took Airdrie uh, 12 years to get a Habitat for Humanity built here. Yeah. They would not do it because they didn't want those people in the community referring to poor people. Right. And I've heard that many, many times, you know, about... Um, low-income housing and things. Well, we don't want that here because we don't want those people here either. Yeah. Well, those people are here. They're here. We're, they're we're just here. struggling you know, they're harder. Just, they're just hiding it. Just, yeah. you know. Um, but Airdrie is also an amazing city. Yeah. Airdrie Power would not be what it is right now if it were not for the community support. Awesome. So the people do step up. They love their community. You know, I think if they were made aware of what's actually happening they wouldn't allow this to happen. Yeah. And they're not. They are stepping up, <clears throat> excuse me, with Airdrie Power and saying, hey, we had no idea. I, I hear it all the time. I had no idea the stats were that bad. That's crazy. Right. You know, what can we do to help? As soon as they hear it, they get on board and they want to support. The people 
want a good, safe community. Right. Um, there's jerks everywhere in every city, uh, you know, like everywhere you go. But, you know, in the bigger picture, it is a beautiful place. Yeah. But we have to focus on the social issues at hand and actually address them yeah. and take care of the problem. I say it all the time. I would much rather come from a city that fixes a problem than pretends it doesn't exist. I 100% agree. I'm, uh, again, a little bit dumbfounded about the stats that I heard and, and, and what's going on in our city. Because I do love Airdrie. I, mm-hmm. I guess I had... Um, Two guests ago, uh, Michael moved here uh, four years ago, and I'm like, how do you love it? That was my question, because yeah. how can you not love Airtrade? Right, it's great. I, uh, I really do love the community. We are full of givers here. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, it turns out we're full of some assholes, too. Yeah, we are. <laughs> but we're going to so, fix that. You know, We're going to yeah. make it a little harder for them to hide. Yeah, yeah. And, and you guys are building a program to support and educate women and mm-hmm. families so that they don't have to uh, tolerate this anymore. Yeah. I'm so happy to hear um, what you're doing. Thank um, you. I'm glad to know that there's something else or there's something out there. I would encourage... I think I, I, I've been thinking about this as we're talking, like, again, how do we solve the main problem, right? How mm-hmm. do we give men confidence? How do we help men so that this isn't the, the issue? This isn't their way of having an outlet. And I just want to challenge um, Airdrie men um, that are listening to this, or in any city for that matter, that uh, call your friends out, you know, uh, mm-hmm. go find a church, go find an organization, maybe a community link style organization where you can go and just say, hey, this is what I'm doing and I don't like doing it. Yeah. How do I how do I stop? They they have it for um people with uh drug abuse and alcohol abuse yeah. and so I I just I don't know. I feel like calling people out and just saying, Absolutely. "Hey, you know what's wrong. You 100% know what you're doing and is you're not, not the happy. right way. You right? can't be happy. You cannot be happy and don't you want to be happy? Let's take that first step towards your happiness, true right. happiness." Right. You know, do what it takes. Be a man, step up you know, do some self-reflection and take the steps necessary to, to have a, a wonderful life. Right. You know, you want to be happy. Let's be happy. I was saying about this the other day, my, my wife was frustrated over something and immediately my stress level went up mm-hmm. and I was ready to react. And I just thought, well, no, why is she, why is she stressed out? Mm-hmm. And then I started thinking about, I wonder how many of you feel that way when your wife is unhappy and you're not doing uh, you're, you don't feel like you're doing things well. I've decided that I'm going to ask my wife what's wrong, and then I'm going to ask her if it's me. Like, is there something right. I'm doing or something that I can not doing maybe or that I can change? And then she can think about it for a minute and say, no, it's not you at all. I'm just unhappy today. Right. Well, I'm, okay. I'm just having a bad day. Because that stress level of seeing my wife frustrated or not happy is, you know, when I leave for work, I'm like, what is going on? Like, it, yeah. as, as a man, I feel like I need to solve problems, but it's not always my problem to right. solve. Right, and that's natural. Uh, I see it in my own husband. When I'm angry and frustrated and not at him, but I'm just, I'm still that way in the house, yeah. I can see it in him that he's like, oh, he's uncomfortable. <laughs> you know, like, what do we do to make yeah. her stop? You know, but then when I communicate with him and be like, okay, you know what? This time, actually, this is why I'm mad. You yeah. keep doing this and blah, 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 blah. Right. Or, no, you know what? It has nothing to do with you. You're okay. I need a minute. I'm very frustrated. And to be honest, if you talk to me right now, it's not going to go well for anybody. So, <laughs> you know, let's just give me a timeout. And we communicate. Yeah. Communication is so important. I was just going to say that um, 
in the uh, the David Goggins book that I'm listening to right now, his first challenge is so for every chapter he wants to come up with a challenge for the people listening to book to better nice. better themselves. And he said to create a journal and write down all the bad stuff that's ever happened to your life in detail. Mm-hmm. Think about those moments and write them out, and then communicate them to somebody. Like just to get it out there, I um, I had an employee recently. We put him in a really stressful situation. He has high anxiety, and he walks in. I'm like, "Hey, how's it going?" And uh, he's like, "I am really anxious right now." And I thought, right. "Perfect. Okay, listen." I'm not going to ask you to do anything more than stand beside me and listen. And I could watch it drain out of him. And if men did that and just said, you know what? My day at work was freaking horrible. My boss was a jerk or this client was this. And they just opened up and just talked about how how they're feeling. Then your wife can go, oh, well, right. I get, you know, I don't, we don't have need to try to, to tell, read minds anymore. Right. Yeah. And I don't have to tell you about the the bad, I broke the car today. I'm going to wait until you're calm or, or <laughs> right. right. And we can all work together just to but, you know, make it acceptable to talk about how we feel. And that's exactly what we have to do because men have been taught not to share feelings. A hundred percent. Right. And not talk about it. And you're a man, man up, get yeah. over it, you know, suck it up. All of these things. We have to unteach. I've caught myself saying man up to my son. <laughs> yeah, you know, come know. on, man up. And I'm like, whoa, that's not acceptable in this yeah. house. We do not do that. You know, you are a human being. You're allowed to have emotions and feelings and, right. you know, just whatever. But it, we have to teach the men that it's okay. Right. And, and, you know, that starts with men. Yeah. You guys have to do it. And yeah. you guys have to show each other that it's okay, you know, and that you don't have to discriminate and talk poorly about women and treat them as sexual objects to be manly. And, right. you know, if you, if you, you know, love your wife and bring her flowers and do all these wonderful things and rub her feet and blah, 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 you're not any less of a man. Yeah. In fact, you're a smart man. <laughs> <laughs> I had a guy, I was uh, dating this girl in Kelowna. And uh, she had some friends that were married, and he, the the husband, ex military, super tough guy. He was always doing the lovey dovey stuff. They had been married right? for a couple of years, and I'm like, um, what did I say to him? No, I said, I said, are you trying to make the rest of us look bad? He goes, nope. I'm just thankful you guys make me look so good. Right. And you make so, my job so easy. <laughs> that's it. He goes, I have to do very little to impress my wife because the rest of you are a bunch of jerks and assholes. Right. So, you know, flowers now and then, say she looks pretty in a dress. And yeah, it's take not her that out. hard. It's not that hard. I actually just, I went to Edmonton last week and I saw Terry Crews. And, uh, um, yeah, the comedian so, actor, yeah. yeah. So when he was doing his talk on toxic masculinity and he grew up in a very violent home watched his mom get beat up all the time and he grew up in an environment that you know he was taught by all the boys on the street and everything that you know you have to womanize these women and you can't be nice because they're taking advantage mm-hmm. of you and then you're you know then you're a wimp and useless man you got to be manly and do you tell them what's what they don't tell you what's what and <laughs> blah 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 all of these things and that really actually hit home because yeah. Honestly, some of the worst beatings I got from my abuser were because he thought I was punking him in front of his friends. Oh, wow. I was disrespecting him. Yeah. And he can't have that. Right. You know, so there is that group mentality of that toxic masculinity that like, hey, 
They're just lies that they believe in. Oh, like, and they feed each other. And and it's so, so true because actually looking back, the two, you know, there was a few really, really bad ones, but two really, really bad ones were simply because I spoke to him in a manner he did not like in front of his friends. And so he had to prove his manlyhood and beat me right then and there in front of everybody, you know, put me in my place. Right. You know, and so... It's because it's, it's, it's a pissing contest. It all is the time. like it's, how are you going to let a woman talk to you like that? What kind of man are you? You right. know. So then he starts to lose status, and his little circle can't have that. So right. he's going to beat his woman right in front of everybody to let everybody know you don't talk to me or mess with me. You do what I say when I say how I say. End of story. Yeah. You know. And Terry Crews was talking about that, and that's how he got in into his you know bad lifestyle and things like that because of that pressure. Yeah. Right. And so. But he was able to step out of it and fix himself. But because he's a celebrity, it's a lot easier for him to come forward and say, "Hey, yeah, yeah I was I was a womanizer. I was terrible. You know, I you know I treated my wife horribly and all of these things. Um, but now I'm better. Yes. Now I get it. Yeah. You know, if we could only create an environment for all men to do that, right? That's what's necessary. But you men have to stop tolerating that. I, I mean, a lot of men know one of their friends who's chauvinistic chauvinistic an asshole to his girlfriend or right. to his wife but you don't say anything yeah because uh, i don't want to get involved in that dirty messy right. you guys have to start holding each other accountable I agree. I agree and you know so the women can fight for all of this till we're blue in the face but yeah. we need the men alongside us too 100 percent agree i'm right? going to call it's, them all out again and just come on guys let's step up our game yeah. um, and and i think what you know, going back to what your abuser said about, you know, you dissed him in front of his friends, you mm-hmm. made him look bad. The truth of the matter is that um, men, women, children, elderly, we all say things that don't come out right. Right. In the beginning of my relationship with my wife, I would say something. I was like, oh, that's not the way I meant it to come out. Like that's. Right. And if we have a little bit of understanding and just go, you know what? Women are going to say things that are mean sometimes. They don't necessarily mean it. It just didn't come out the way it was supposed right. to. And We're men human. are going to say and do things that are, are mean. And if we don't say something and communicate, like say, hey, I, I'm not going to accept you saying that to me yeah, anymore. Yeah, I don't like that. Right? You know? Yeah. And uh, to make them understand. But if you just let it fly and don't say anything, they're like, oh, it's okay to say that stuff. Yeah, and that makes There's, it easier for that person to then repeat that behavior because, well, there was no consequences. Right. And I got away with it last time. And violence is a choice. Yeah. It is not something, It's it's. I mean, it's a learned behavior but it is also a choice. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, there's lots of arguments for both sides that no, it's not. You know, it's a disease. It's a mental illness. It's all of these things. It is all of those things. I was things. just going to say, it's probably all of it. It is absolutely all of those things, but it is a choice. Yeah. They are choosing to to do what they do. Um, you're, you're a fully functioning human being. You're choosing to be an abusive man. Yeah. You know, you're choosing to be an abusive woman. You're, you're, you're choosing these actions and you have to unchoose right right make the choice to not be that way so go seek help if it's not right go seek help you know you hear all the time once an abuser always an abuser that's not always true no you know that can change that's not absolutely jordan peterson's book the 12 rules of life an antidote to chaos i can't remember what rule it is but he talks about um uh he says tell the truth or at least don't lie. Mm-hmm. And most importantly, to do that to yourself. So whenever you do something and go, oh, you know what? They deserved it or that's not my fault. 
this just lies. That's this all just it lies. is. You're, just tell the truth. Like, okay, I was a dill hole. I shouldn't have said those things. Yeah. I shouldn't have done those things. What can I do to make this better? What can I do to make this better? Right. How can I fix this situation? And it's, you know, people actually respect you more when you do that and and won't leave you as fast as you think they will <laughs> right. if you admit that you're wrong and made a mistake and aren't perfect. You know, that's a fear thing. Again, yeah. well, if I admit that I made that mistake, then, you know, uh, they'll leave. That's or a confidence they'll, they'll do, thing, though, right? It is, and it's 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 so silly. You just have to understand that everybody makes mistakes. Everybody, everybody does. Nobody's good at doing life. It takes a long and time to... And we all to... have the same feelings. Right. Right? Yeah, yeah, we exactly. really do. You yeah. know, we all get embarrassed. We all get angry. We all get frustrated. We all get happy, sad, excited, all of these different things. Yeah. You know, and if you can just understand... That everybody feels that way and that it's okay to be vulnerable and to to say things. I know it sounds silly, but I still tell people, well, you know what? That actually hurt my feelings. Yeah. And I don't appreciate that. Yeah. You know, but I give them an opportunity to fix that and move forward. Well, having some grace too, not holding it above people's heads all the time. Like that's hard to do though. (laughs) That's that's as hard as saying that you've got a problem, like or that I've got a problem, right? When you look in the mirror and go, Oh, I was a jerk today. It's just as hard to forgive people for being mm-hmm. jerks because they've had a bad day. Um, and we're just talking about the everyday things, everyday not stuff, the yeah. big things like abuse and, and yeah. being mean or, or and horrific to people. You know, forgiveness is key. And people, yeah. uh, I tell people all the time, you know, I'm, I'm a huge forgiver and I'm a huge second chancer. Give you a second chance. You're human. Let's do this. Let's work on this. And I get told all the time, like, what are you doing? Yeah. They've burned you so many times before. It's like, okay. what are you doing? Yeah. I'm like, you know, their behavior is not going to change who I am. Right. I'm not forgiving them for them. Yeah. I'm forgiving them for me because I don't want to hold on to that poison. That's some ugly baggage. Right? Yeah. Why am I carrying this? This is your problem. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> you know what? I forgive you for doing. I will not give you an opportunity to do that again. Yeah. But I do forgive you. Yeah. And if you want to fix it. And I tell my children all the time, if somebody apologizes to you, you take that very, very seriously because it takes a lot of courage for somebody to admit that they're wrong and apologize. Yeah. So I don't care how you're feeling and what you're doing, you're going to accept that apology and you're going to move forward however that looks. If that's a cutoff friendship, whatever, that's what it is. Yeah. But you will accept that apology and and move on. Yeah. But the key is to move on because it is scary to have to apologize because when you apologize, you're admitting that you did something wrong. And you're vulnerable. Right? And you're so vulnerable. And if somebody, I don't care who it is, is brave enough to apologize to you, you take them at face value. You don't go, well, okay, but you know what? You just, you, my points are this and that. You, you take that yeah. and you say, okay, you know, I appreciate that apology. This is what I'm going to need moving forward. Yeah. Thank you. I forgive yes. you. But I'm but, not going to allow... Yeah, yeah. You, you can't be in my life because this just can't happen again. But you know what? Do you have a counseling background? No. No? Just, unfortunately, life experience. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's the same with me. Reading but, some books, listening to some podcasts. Right? And, and and just experience. And and I know what it feels like to be an outcast and looked down upon. And, and I would never want anybody to feel that. And I know from my personal experience how hard it is for me to apologize. <laughs> so I can imagine how hard it is because we all have the same feelings. Yeah. Right? So it's going to be hard for somebody else to apologize to me. So I want to afford them that grace, I guess. And you know what? That took a lot of courage and effort to apologize and recognize that you've hurt me. So, okay, I'm going to treat you with respect and dignity. 
and move on. Yeah. In whatever fashion that looks like. So what are the next steps for Airdrie Power? Like you you have some fundraisers coming up. What's, yeah, we uh, have a couple of fundraisers. We are looking for, um, of course, donations like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. Um, we're in the middle of doing renovations to get the f- place up to code so that we can open. Okay. We are having a little bit of a financial struggle with that, but we're, you know, we're hoping that that'll just come through. We'll talk afterwards. I, okay. I'm in construction. I know a lot of people and I can probably talk a few of them into some favors. So let's, let's talk about what you need after right. the, the show. I will do that for sure. Um, but really right now we're just really concentrating on trying to get our doors open. Yeah. Um, and then um, moving forward, it will be providing our programs and and just kind of really the first year we we figure we'll be fine-tuning everything because this is new um and nobody's ever done it before we don't have a model to go off of you know we're making it up as we go along and um we're very very determined to be very successful in in supporting and empowering women and children in our community so what you're really looking for is somebody that has a large building that wants to give it to you for free. That's right. And maintain it <laughs> and fund counselors and support. That's, right, right. You might as well shoot big. Like, ask, right? like ask. I'm looking at the one percenters here. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, yeah. you want a tax refund? We've got you covered. You know, come dump your oh. money on our shoulders and we will help the community in your name. Okay, I'm going to put this out there because I've been in contact with Brett Wilson about coming oh. on the podcast. Do you know what? He, I think his mother, she's a victim of domestic violence. I didn't know that. um, Either she started a foundation or he started it in her name. Okay. But domestic violence is very prevalent in his history. I've been speaking with his social media manager person and uh, they've agreed. We're just looking for a time to go on the podcast. He won't be coming to my house. Oh, He's not going to drive out to everybody. But I can set up. I'm portable. And so uh, um, either way, we, we may be getting in the year of Brett Wilson. And, that would uh, be fantastic. There's lots of uh, these nonprofit organizations to support nonprofits um, mm-hmm. that are up and coming. So yeah. uh, that might be the way in there. So Yeah, we just yeah need to get the word out and get some financial assistance. And So let me know all the fundraisers you have going up. Uh, maybe right now tell people where and how they can donate. Okay, so you can go to our website, um, www www.airdriepower.com You can donate there through many different ways. You can email us at airdriepower um, at gmail.com You can contact us. You can call me. Um, I can meet with you. I can pick up checks, cash, donations. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. (laughs) Right? Email. Um, We take e-transfers for donations and things like that too. Um, and if you just want to know what we're about and what we're doing and where we're going, we are more than happy to meet with you and chat and, and because there's a lot of different ways people, if you can't financially help, you can physically help with your time and your, um, just your passion and your kindness. Right. So there's, once we're open, there'll be many of opportunities to volunteer hands on. Perfect. I want to encourage everybody. I'll call them out as well on this is that, uh, whether you're a church goer or not a church goer, Mm -hmm. there is so much benefit in tithing on your money. Um, I cannot tell you the amount of stories I've heard about people who have just changed and uh, donate 10% right off the top mm-hmm. and then uh, save your 15% and then pay your bills after that. Um, pick an organization. Right. Airdrie Power is a great one and donate yeah. some money. Um, I will put all the links for Airdrie Power up on the podcast. Perfect. Um, they can find you on Facebook. They can find you on the web. You guys on Instagram or Twitter. Yes, we are. We're on Instagram. 
Technically, we're on Twitter, but we haven't figured that uh, one I out yet. Twitter. But <laughs> I'm horrible at it. I was I was horrified to find out that Facebook was for old people now. Is, oh, is what it is. I'm like, oh, is that why I know it so well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just starting to get good at Instagram, and something new is going to come along and blow me right. Out of water, I know so it it's is crazy. It is. I want to thank you for taking the time to shed some light on this issue, and you know, being a man. You may not think it, but it really does make a difference that, you know, you reach out and want to know about these things. It's my pleasure. And whenever you have something new coming up, let me know. I will share it or you can come back in the podcast. I love our conversation. So everyone out there, call out your friends, Mm -hmm. uh, support the, uh, the people in your community, donate. Donate, donate. Donate, It's good for your life. It really, really is. So thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing and everyone have a great day. Now I got to figure out how to shut this down.